forward and not backwards. And I turned up at the early morning prayer meeting, I think it was about 10 to 5 in the morning. And uh, I don't know if you remember that old uh, British Airways advert with, I think it was at the Aardvark, is it kind of like, where is everybody? And it was kind of one of those moments for me. Um, and I think actually I went back to bed. Um, fell asleep and I got woken up by Nigel who used to be one of the uh, leaders here at about 5 to 10 in the morning saying Alid we're about to start a meeting, you're leading worship where are you? (laughs) So I didn't sleep particularly well last night because I just had fears of doing the same thing but well done and it's great to be here for Katie and her baptism Uh, and it's a real privilege for me to be continuing our preaching series looking at a guy called Jesus and the question guys is is he incomparable, is he incomparable or is he irrelevant? And that's what we've been looking through over these last couple of months. And uh, this morning, it's a real privilege for me to be continuing that in the book of John, which is one of four Gospels, four books in the Bible, which has... And the words Gospel, or euangelion in the Greek, basically means good news. So there's four of these books in the Bible out of 46, 66 books. And uh, and they're, they're four books saying about good news, and it's how Jesus, how God has taken someone who is utterly sinful and can make them gloriously righteous. That's the good news. And the great news for us guys is that it's accessible for each and every one of us. So what Katie did today in going down in the baptism pool, what it represents is that I am someone who is utterly sinful, but in trusting in Jesus and going down in death with him, when he was risen again in glory, I can be gloriously risen and righteous with him. It's the most amazing, bonkers news out there. I really mean it. It's absolutely fabulous. Okay, so we're going to be looking at the uh, Gospel of John. If you want to go to John chapter 17, because of time, um, we're only going to cover the first five verses. All right, Um, and I'm not sure whether I'll have the emotional capability of going any further in that. I feel, if I'm totally honest with you guys, I feel out of that time of worship is amazing. But I just feel emotionally wrecked sometimes. I just think, God, you've just wrecked me for nothing else. I just feel completely immersed in God's presence. And, and later on, I, I do hope, if I just talk for about 25 minutes, 30 minutes, I hope, maybe an hour, I don't know. <laughs> and then we'll just, it'll be great to get just back into a time of presence and just see where, you know, how we're going to respond to what uh, Jesus is saying to us. So, John chapter 17, and uh, it says this, After Jesus said this, and we'll talk about what he said in a minute, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Listen, now this is eternal life, that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Lord God, I just thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for this passage. And and this morning, I just pray that we'd really uh, digest and get everything we can out of this verse. Lord, thank you that you are our Father. Lord, thank you that in times of trial, we can come to you and say, Lord, you are someone who loves us that you know us deeply. And Lord, I just pray, would you help me to communicate this morning? Lord, I just pray that you would open our ears to be responsive to what you want to speak to us about. Lord, and I just pray that as an outworking of this word this morning, we would just leave this place saying, Lord, you are all that more awesome, all that more glorious. 
all that more, all that more worthy of everything we do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to be looking at the subject of prayer. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those subjects, if I'm honest, that when you hear it, you think either, right, okay, I've heard that before, or it's one of those that you just kind of cringe in your seat. Because praying is some, often when I've heard messages on prayer, you can often leave them just thinking, I just feel such a sense of guilt. I don't understand all the religious terminology, all the jargon. My prayers just seem to be so simple. Or I just don't pray enough. Or I just don't get that regular time with God. Whatever those questions would be, please hear me from the very start, guys. Whether you're a member of this church or not, whether you're a Christian or not, a relationship with God, a prayer life with God, is never, ever, was never intended to be out of guilt. Never. God, is, God it was never intending to there to be a kind of a, a, a religious duty in prayer that we end up just coming before him just thinking, oh God, I'm sorry again. Oh God, I've just followed that God or that thing instead of you again. And on often we can feel like that when it comes to prayer. But this morning, I really want us to unpack these verses and see what Jesus does when he prays in a time of need. And I just hope and I pray that this will impact us in our, in our own relationships with him and how we pray. Okay, it's a popular part of John's Gospel. Uh, you may have heard it called the High Priestly Prayer. And it comes after a roller coaster of, of emotions for the disciples. Okay, so let me just quickly unpack, because where I said, after saying these things, this is what Jesus said. No doubt, in that morning, when the disciples woke up, I'm pretty sure that they would have had almost no idea what was going to happen that evening. No doubt that gathering that evening for that meal would have been, I don't know, talking about Gillingham Football Club or how dark it's getting at night time. I don't know what the conversation would have been. No doubt that would have been the expectation and no doubt to have some kind of element of teaching along the line with Jesus, some kind of correction or encouragement. But in the midst of them eating together, Jesus starts his teaching by washing their feet And out of washing his feet, he says, one of you here is going to betray me. Just imagine the confusion. Just, what? Just imagine if you were one of those disciples at that dinner table, looking over the table, thinking, well, who, who could it be? We've walked with Jesus for years, day in, day out. We've seen him perform miracles. We've heard his teaching. We've even been a part of it. He's actually helped us administer miracles meeting people's needs. And they're looking across the dinner table at this point thinking, could it be that guy? Could it be that, that Judas? I always thought there was something funny about that guy. And each one says, but Jesus, I'll never abandon you. I'll never reject you. And Jesus says, no, no, guys, each and every one of you will leave me. You'll be like sheep scattered without a shepherd. As Jesus is crucified on the cross, There's no one with him, guys. There's none of his disciples there. Just imagine the confusion. Just just imagine what the disciples may have been thinking. And it's out of this that Jesus, out of this teaching, out of this this prophetic... um, I mean, it's, it's prophetic in the sense that Jesus then goes on after that to say how he's going to get arrested, how he's going to be beaten, humiliated... He's going to be stripped mostly naked and he's going to be executed. He's going to be murdered, crucified on the cross and for the enjoyment of all those that just despised everything that Jesus stood for. Just imagine the shock and the confusion 
And after this, Jesus turns to, to the Father and he prays this prayer. And the first thing that I noticed out of this prayer is the very first words. But it's probably one of those words that unless we get it, guys, no. Unless we get this word, guys, that Santino was talking about last week, we, we almost won't get anywhere else. Unless we understand that when we pray, we pray to Father. We pray to Father. And that's who Jesus prays to. You look at all of Jesus' prayers often, and even the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, our Father. It's not just our provider. It's not just our counsellor. It's our Father is who we come to when we pray. And, and that's a real... We've really got to understand that we come to Father. We come to someone who knows you. You come to someone who loves you, who treasures you, who is rooting and fighting for you. We don't go to someone, the Father of the Bible, and I don't, I don't know what your experience of fatherhood is, but the God of the Bible, the Father of the Bible, isn't someone who condemns his children. He's not someone who instills guilt or frustration. He's someone who says, I love you, you are mine, you are my treasure, and I adore you, and I want the very best for you. Always. Nothing, nothing absent from that. That is me, my heart for you, always, as my child. And that's who we come to when we pray, guys. We don't come to someone who is there with a stick saying, why, why has it been two weeks since you've come to me? That's not the way that God receives his children. He loves it. He loves it when you come to him. He is there ready to respond to you. And what Jesus does in beginning his prayer with Father, what I do when I begin my prayers with Father, what you are doing when you start your prayers with Father, you are recognising that God is interested in what you're doing. He's actually there to listen to what you're going to say. He's interested. And not only is that, but actually the relationship between a father and the son is not one of religious duty. It's not one of religious expectations. It's not one of... It's one of those boxes that we've got to tick as, as Christians, guys. You, you become saved and it's like, fantastic, here's your starter pack. Right, okay, so you put your starter pack in, it's like, great, pray every day, brilliant. Right, okay, get your diary out, pray every day, brilliant. Read the Bible, do that every day. Right, okay, brilliant. Read. It's not a sense of like, this is your religious expectations. No, if you've got a relationship with the dad, if you've got a relationship with daddy, it's not an expectation. It's not something you've got to tick boxes on. It's not like a job description. It's not a person specification for a job. That's not what it's like when you get saved. It's a relationship that we enter into. And Jesus understands that better than probably I think I'll ever know because he's in relationship with the Father and he knows that when he comes to the Father, he comes to, when he comes to God, he comes to a father figure, someone who loves and cherishes and cares for him. Let me just ask you, when you pray, who are you praying to? When you pray, what are you praying for? Are you praying just for a provider that can get you things? Do you come to God with a to-do list? God, it would be great if you could do that. Lord, will you do that for me? Do you just come to someone who's an encourager? Do you come to God the encourager who can make you feel much better about yourself and take away your guilt? Lord, I've done it again. I'm so sorry. Please hear what I'm not saying. God. I don't, I'm not saying that those things are bad. They're, they're, they're totally right. But if all you're doing is going to God with a to-do list, it's not building relationship. 
We come to Father. Jesus goes to Father. Let's go on. Father, the time has come. Or in some of your, your uh, it might be say, the hour has come. What does Jesus mean by the hour has come? Jesus, remember here, Jesus is about to go into the darkest day of his life. He is about to get rejected and betrayed by his disciples. He's about to be crucified on the cross. One of, one of what at the time, and probably even now, was one of the worst ways to die, the most excruciating ways to die. He's been beaten. He will be rejected and beaten by all those that come across him. And Jesus, in this time of extreme anguish, he turns to Father. Listen, the question, guys, for us is not whether the hour will come. The question isn't whether the time will come. The question is, so the question isn't if those times will come. The question is when those times will come. For each and every one of us, there will be times where we we can look upon the situation and just say, where is God in this? There will be times of suffering and trials and anguish. And just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean in any way that that isn't going to happen to you. It doesn't mean in any way that that will happen to you. In fact, 1 Peter 4 says, as a Christ follower, you've got to expect to be suffering. Or as Mark Driscoll says, he said, what did I heard him this week saying, guys, at the end of the day, we worship a murdered homeless guy. That's who we worship. To expect that we're not going to experience trials in this life, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. But let me ask you, when you have trials, who is it that you turn to? Do you just turn to your spouse? Do you turn to a parent? or a child. Maybe actually it's more sinister than that. Maybe actually what you do is you turn to escapism. Maybe you, you drink. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's actually just satis- satisfying those needs of your heart. Whatever those things are, Jesus looks, he prays, and he calls on Father. In his time of need, Father, the hour has come. He gets down, prostrate, and he looks at heaven and he prays to the Father. Listen, if your view on prayer or your view on God this morning is of a controlling being, if your view this morning is that God is just frustrated with you because you don't pray enough, that in itself will affect the way that you pray. And likewise, if you see God as so patient but in your continuous failings, you choose to punish yourself by withdrawing yourself from God and not praying because you feel that that he's not going to be pleased with you, that's going to again affect the way that you pray. If you view God the way that Jesus does, if you view God as Father who knows you, who loves you, who wants the best you and in knowing everything about you he still says I love you that will lead you to pray guys like never before for the God who knows everything can do anything that will lead you to pray and tell him about absolutely everything it will, tell, it will lead you to pray like never before if you understand God you know everything about me but you what you love me anyway you call, you call me son? You cherish me? Even though that you, you, you still love me? That will lead you to pray like never before. 
You know, I'm so, gl- I'm so glad that my relationship with the Father is not like, a, like an adulterer going to the wife for the first time in the sense of, oh God, I've done it again. I've, I've looked at that God before you. Oh God, I've done it again. I've spent too much time with this person. Oh God, I've done it again. I've just messed up in this area. You know, God knows everything about me. There's no secrets. I'm so glad. Are you not so glad that there's no secrets between you and God? I'm so glad that he knows everything about me, yet he's forgiven me anyway. I think it's outrageous. Well, it is. It's outrageous grace. The outworking of the gospel is outrageous. I'm so glad that there's no secrets between me and God. You know, I don't pray out of guilt because I have to, or even out of shame because I haven't been doing it the way that I should have done it. You know, I pray out of guilt because I've come to a realisation that actually it's the most outrageous thing that I even get to. Listen to that. I don't pray out of guilt because I have to. I pray out of grace because it's amazing that I even get the opportunity to do it. Think about it, guys. God who is holy, us who is sinful, and even Katie's example here of me going down into the pit, it says in the Bible that all of us have fallen short of God's glory. It's amazing that we can come into God's presence in the first place. See, I don't pray out of guilt, I pray out of grace. God, it's amazing that I can even come to you in the first place. It's amazing that you take interest in what I want to say to you. And actually, I'm coming to the author of all of my days, the mechanic of my life. It's incredible that you can actually go to the instruction manual of your life in the, in the Bible. You can actually go and talk to someone who has actually designed you and knows you in every way. In fact, he knows you better than you know yourself. He really does. He knows the way you tick. He knows your frustrations. He knows those deepest secrets in your heart that not even your wife or your husband know about because you're too shamed about them. He loves me anyway. Guys, what urges us to pray, what on a Sunday morning will encourage us to come in and say, God, I'm expecting to meet with you, is not because we think, oh, it's another Sunday morning. I'll put the turkey on or the chicken on and it'll be ready when I come home and I'll just, (laughs) the chicken, and I'll just put up with it, you know, this kind of, these next four hours until I get home and I can enjoy my dinner. And sometimes it feels like, especially, especially on the surface, sometimes you can look at it and just think, oh, you just, You don't understand grace, guys. In this opportunity here, as we come and gather together, we've got an opportunity to come face to face with the living almighty God. It's such a privilege. Such a privilege. So Jesus, he comes and he understands what a privilege it is to be in relationship with the Father. And he prays out of this trial and this time. Jesus recognises as well He says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. What's he saying? He's saying, Lord, let me end well. He's saying, Lord, in this trial, the hour has come, let me glorify you well. Let me bleed well. Let me die well. Let me finish well. Jesus sees the trial not as an obstacle to making God glorified. He sees it as an opportunity to do just that. He says, here is an opportunity in this mess to make God get glory. And that's what Jesus is doing as he prays in this prayer. 
Listen, some people here, there is a risk that some people here in trials and temptations will leave, will leave this place and it's happened before, it's happened to people closest to me because they haven't understood that in the trial and temptation it's not an obstacle to glory, it's an opportunity for glory. Okay? So this is an opportunity for you to call on Father and get him to meet your needs in the place that you are at. Not to say, I don't know about all this Christian life. It doesn't seem to be working very well for me and to leave. And it's happened before and some people will leave because of trials. But listen, don't pray that God will simply take away trials because Jesus doesn't do that. He prays that God will help him get through the trial, not round it. He prays that God will help him get through the trial and glorify God, not to bring God into disgrace. goes on in verse 2. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Okay, we'll talk about the authority of Christ in a minute, but that... That line there has probably changed my prayer life more than any other thing that I've ever heard. So let me say it again. Now this is eternal life. This is, if you like, eternity. This is heaven with God. What is it? The only true God that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ who was crucified. Doesn't that define for us something about prayer? Does that not actually, so actually prayer is what we're going to be doing for all eternity? Building a relationship with God? Building community with God? Heaven as we understand it or eternal life is knowing God. That's what, that's what heaven's all about. It's being in relationship with him. It's prayer. That's what heaven's all about. I have, um, I have a number of relatives that live away from here. Some in London, some in Wales, some in Portugal, Cornwall. And often when we go to visit them, it means a several hour drive or sometimes a several hour flight. Now for me, that is not my idea of fun. I don't enjoy it very much, to be fair. If I take my wife with me, it's a different story. Those four hours of driving become four hours company. Actually, when we go on holiday, it's true to say, Lou, that our holiday starts when we leave the front door because actually road trips are quite fun with Lou. I quite enjoy them. And it actually makes my trip... Lou's my wife, by the way. (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) Thinking, it's a cuddly bear, is it? So so it, it turns it into something very different. Listen, heaven wouldn't be very heavenly if God isn't there, guys. Listen, heaven's not heaven if God's not there. The reason that heaven is heaven is because we get in in unity with God. We get a relationship. We get to pray for eternity with God. That's what prayer is. It's not a list of requests. It's building relationship. And it's what we're going to be doing for all eternity, guys. I was going to to title the preach, Prayer is Heavenly, and I thought I'd probably lose half of you from the very beginning. But do you get what I'm saying? Prayer is a foretaste. I don't know why I'm doing that. Prayer... (laughs) is a foretaste of what heaven is like. It gives us an opportunity to taste relationship like what we're going to be doing for all eternity. Prayer's not boring. Prayer's not irrelevant. 
Prayer is what we get to do in heaven. Prayer is a foretaste now of what we'll be doing for all eternity. Listen to what he says. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ crucified. Listen, it's only through Jesus Christ that you can actually get to heaven and have eternal life with the Father. It's only through Jesus Christ and recognising what he's done for you. And whether this is the first time you've heard it or the 50th time you've heard it, you can still miss it. It's only Jesus Christ. Belief in him that actually you are a sinner, that you've done things wrong, but actually in the the frame of the gospel, which is gloriously simple actually, because it means that doesn't matter. Because Jesus understands that you can't do anything for yourself and he steps into your place. He's died on a cross so that you can be in an eternal relationship with the Father and come openly into his presence. <sighs> do I say it? I think the problem with some of us guys is that we just view prayer as far too low. Some of us think it's irrelevant. For some of us, we're just not sure whether it even works. And for some of us, we just think it's boring. Guys, I don't know where we've got this myth from, because God, in my view, can't be boring. If you look at how God describes himself in Psalms, as someone who threw stars into space... I was watching, I don't know if you've ever seen Blue Planet. It's a BBC, but it's probably the best creationist video that you can get your hands on. They haven't, they haven't intended it to be, but it's turned out that way. That you look at a blue whale, and its tail fin has the wingspan, the same as a wingspan of an aeroplane. Its heart of a blue whale is larger than a family car. The veins and the arteries on that thing is big enough for a human to swim down. And we say, but God is boring. Ah, I, have I missed something? At what point has God become boring? Guys, are pigeonholing God in a box which was maybe culturally relevant 100 years ago, that is boring. Viewing God in a small box, that is boring. That was never God's intention. That was never God's intention at all. And now some of our churches close down and we wonder why people aren't interested in the gospel or God anymore. It's because they're looking at the wrong God. They're not looking at the God of the Bible. And the risk for us as a church, actually, they're not looking at the God of the Bible because they're looking at a God that we've somehow formed over decades of just saying, well, actually, it's probably more culturally relevant. Or maybe it's actually, it's not going to offend this way. Listen, God is so much bigger than that. He's so much bigger than that. God's not boring. Prayer isn't boring. It was never intended to be boring. We've made it boring because we, in our perceptions and the way that we view things, is actually we've put God in a box. God's not boring. God's not boring. Prayer isn't boring. It's heavenly. You get a first-hand opportunity to meet and discuss life and your purpose with God, who is the author of every one of your days, don't tell me that is boring. And you know what? The devil is using the same ploys as what he did back in the Garden of of Eden when Adam and Eve, at no point, if you read Adam and Eve's story, are they complaining about not being satisfied in God. Right, hear that? It's not that God, you have dissatisfaction in God, it's that the devil says, oh, there's something a bit more tasty over here. And he'll gift wrap it 
and he'll put a bow on it and you know what we do? In our sinful nature, we fall for it. And we actually, with prayer, we've done exactly the same thing. You see, if you have that view of prayer, that actually is just, it's just something I have to do. I'll just tick boxes. You know, the devil's one. He's one. If you say, if you rubbish that and you say, no, you know what, I'm going to pray to the God who made heaven and earth and I know that when I pray, things happen and you pray out of faith and you pray out of what it says in the word of God, I'll tell you what, the devil, he is petrified of you. He is absolutely petrified. Some of you that are yet to be convinced that prayer works, I heard a story yesterday and I quite liked it. A guy that, someone told this guy, you know, prayer, answers to prayer, they're just coincidences. And he said, you know what, you can call it that, you might be right, but the thing is, when I don't pray, coincidences don't happen. (laughs) It doesn't matter on your view of prayer, the Bible says that prayer works. So we need to realign ourselves with I will pray knowing that God says that he's a father who loves me, who cherishes me, and in access with him when I pray, things happen. Things happen. I'm trying to go through verse on on this and it's probably not going very well. We'll see how it goes. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Just looking at the authority that Jesus has, you know what, when I, was, when I was younger, well, probably a few years back, I used to pray out of real fear that actually God knew everything about me. I used to, I used to pray out of real fear thinking God knows everything about me. And sometimes I'd even still pretend that actually he didn't. So when I did that thing, I probably wouldn't tell him about it. And I kind of knew that he knew, but at the same time, my prayer life was driven out of fear that God knew something. And to be totally honest with you guys, when you understand that all God feels for his children is love and peace and joy, God doesn't hold resentment against you. He knows everything about you and he loves you anyway. It changes the way you pray. At no point has God been interested in religiosity. At no point has God ever, as far as I understand, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says in the New Testament that you've got to pray this amount of time. You've got to pray this amount of frequency. God's not, under, God's not interested in religiosity. He's interested in relationship. That's what God's interested in. That's what God desires from us. And I just, just in finishing in a minute, I just do have one last concern, guys, for us, especially within the context of quite a large church. You can be a Judas Iscariot. And what I mean by that is this. You can tick boxes. You can serve in a serving team. You could be part of a community group. You can come to church every week and attend every single prayer meeting. You could look at Paul's tithe for the offering and say, man, I double tithe everything all the time. But you could still miss the point. You can still miss the point. Listen, look at Judas. He would have been one of the twelve. He would have been with Jesus. He would have seen everything. He would have even participated in healing people and administering the spirit amongst the streets. He would have done that, but missed the point. It says that he's, as betrayer, he says that he's been actually damned for punishment. He's missed the point. Missed the point. They might all be biblical concepts, but don't forget that the reason in every single one of those is to draw you, to take away distractions and to draw you closer into a relationship with him, with the Father. That's the purpose of them. Don't love money, love God.
Don't read porn mags. Read the Bible. They're all good, but you can still miss the point. You can still miss the point. I'm coming in for a land. Do you know what? Prayer is what the cross is all about. Do you know that? Relationship with the Father is what the cross is all about. Prayer. Prayer is what heaven is all about. It's what we get to do. It's an exciting thing. It's not a boring thing. It's an opportunity to spend time with the God who made you. It's an opportunity. And it's, it's out of grace because it's the most outrageous thing that we can even get to do it, guys. It's incredible. Prayer isn't religiosity, it's relationship. Okay, so just in finishing, guys, because I'm not sure, I know that in many ways I probably haven't done that justice, but if you hear one thing, it's this. Listen, prayer isn't religiosity, it's relationship. Let's not pigeonhole God and say that actually prayer for me is just coming to God with a load of to-do lists. That's not what prayer's about. Look at how Jesus prays. He prays to Father. He is praying in a relationship. So don't feel guilt. Right, listen, I free you from guilt this morning. I'll do that now. Be released from guilt in your prayer life now because it's not what God intends for you. In fact, can we have the band up? And what we're going to do, can we just stand? And in this sense of prayer, just, start, just in your mind, just respond to God and I just want to pray over us. I release you now from guilt in your prayer life. It's not what God has intended for you. Religiosity is not what God has intended for you, but relationship, he is absolutely desperate for it. Absolutely desperate for it. He wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. So I break that now in Jesus' name. Guilt, condemnation over prayer life, go now. And relationship, Lord, we say, Lord, it's absolutely outrageous that I can even come to you in the first place. What a privilege, Lord. What a privilege to be able to come before the maker of all the earth with all my muck, with all my mess. And God says, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. So where do we go from here? You've got to recognise, God, that you serve a very unboring God. A very unboring God who is sovereign over all the earth. You need to recognise that God knows everything about you, yet he says that he loves you anyway. He thinks you're the bee's knees, guys. He talks about you to his son every day. He shows you off every day. He thinks you are wicked. He does. And recognise that part of being known by God is that despite those things that you've done wrong, he loves you anyway. You've got to recognise that. And for some of us, we need to actually say no to the lies of the evil one and say, no, I don't need to be guilty about prayer. I'm interested in a relationship with a loving father who loves me. And we need to recognise that prayer is an opportunity that you don't deserve. You don't deserve but it's open for us for the rest of eternity. But listen, guys, recognise that prayer starts now. Relationship with the Father starts now. The way is open for you now. Let me just finish on one last thing before we sing a song. If you have never heard 
and I, and I apologise for those that have never heard the gospel in the sense of what I'm talking about this morning and I hope it hasn't been too much gobbledygook for you but if you hear one thing today and you've never heard this message before it's this you might know that you've done things wrong and surprise surprise God knows it too but the truth is is that Jesus on the cross it wasn't just something relevant for someone 2,000 years ago it has every importance for you now God, Jesus isn't in, he's incomparable he's not irrelevant guys he's relevant for us now in a very real way because in belief in him it means that you can have eternal life relationship prayer with the Father so this is what we're going to do we're just going to finish over these last six or seven minutes we're going to sing a song and this is what I want you to do just insert, the first thing we're going to do is just going to worship we're just going to worship God but for some of us we might need to repent that actually we've held on to lies of the evil one and we've pigeonholed God in a box which was maybe culturally relevant a hundred years ago but it's not relevant for us today. So for some of you, you might just need to repent and we're not going to have crowds down the front, we're not going to have lots of people praying for you, this is something for you two to do for you and God, okay? So that's what you're going to do. You're going to repent and the last thing we're going to do, we're going to realign ourselves this morning to what God says about prayer in the Bible. So we're just going to realign ourselves and we're going to say, Lord realign myself, it's all about you when all this stuff goes away, at the end of the day it's just you and me and it all depends on our relationship together not the serving not the meetings it's a relational, personal relationship with a living God so Max if we just sing that song and we'll just give a bit more direction in a minute as to where we go from there